0: You played it nicely.
1: You were good. Yes, I was. I fooled you, didn't I? Oh, God, but I do love being king.
2: Well, Henry, Liege and Lord.
1: what happens now? I've no idea. I know I'm winning, and I know I'll win. But what the next move is
0: hey everybody welcome back to uncanny cinema we had a uh, significant break there uh, we had our halloween offerings and then we took a bit of a break um but now we're digging into a couple christmas films we've got our uh, just regular christmas film for this episode and next episode we will have our uncanny cinema christmas present which i will talk about at the end of the show um we've done that in the past but uh, listen to the end of the show for information on that For this one, we are looking at The Lion in Winter, 1968's The Lion in Winter. Um, This is a film that is set at Christmas. Uh, In previous years, last three years, we had looked at three crazy, terrible Christmas movies. Very fun, but uh, crazy and terrible Christmas movies. Elves, Dial Code Santa Claus, and uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night 5, The Toymaker, which, incidentally, Jack, I did purchase that, a three-pack of that on (laughs) Blu-ray. Uh, it was very cheap, uh, so I had to get it. I wonder why. Um, hmm. But anyway, so uh, yeah, so we're we had kind of a trilogy of those, but I figured uh, we could switch gears and do something different. So we are looking at uh, an actually good film this year. Uh, it is set at Christmas. Thank God. Um, it's a famous film in a way. Um, we will talk about the particulars of it. But I picked it because, like, even though it's famous and has a lot of accolades, it's not a movie that, like, gets talked about much. So it it very much fits the podcast. Um, It's famous in a, like, trivia and historic way, and it is good. But it's not famous the way Star Wars and Chinatown and that kind of stuff is. Um, So I think it still fits for us. Uh, I'll dig into specifics on it, but we will just go with our cast here. Uh, So rejoining us, we have Eric coming back to look at Lion and Winter. Hey, hey. And then, Eric, you you hadn't seen this before, right? I had not. Okay. Oh. Um, Jack, you had, right?
3: I can't remember if I'd seen this one or the uh, 2003 one or both. Okay. This seemed familiar, but I wasn't sure. All right.
0: Well, Jack is also here, and both Jack and Eric are something of uh, Anglophiles. They uh, They always love their witty dialogue spoken by british people so i knew that this oh, would get be than that. right okay, up there, triggered. alley um and uh, so welcome jack thank you and uh, we also have colin rejoining us here uh, colin uh you said in the chat uh, you might want to maybe you'll talk about this when we kind of like open up the floor but uh like that this is one of your favorite films uh or, or one Absolutely. of the best films you felt
1: yeah, I think that for a certain kind of person who wants a movie where people just talk the whole time, mm-hmm. and like it's just all about the writing and the wordplay, it is like the most delicious film to watch. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> like just like everybody
0: being a messy bitch twenty four seven. It's quite, <incredible>. yeah. <laughs> it's quite the feast. Yes. Uh, okay, so uh, some real quick stuff uh, on the back end for this. Uh, so it's directed by Anthony Harvey. Uh, He also directed the film They Might Be Giants uh, that inspired the name of the band. (laughs) Jack's giving me a look that I knew she would react to this. I knew it. Uh, So I guess that was like a play at one point, got adapted into the film, inspired the name of the band. Um, George C. Scott uh, is in it. He's a mental patient who believes he's uh, Sherlock Holmes. It's an interesting movie. It's worth watching. Um, this director also did the 1973 version of Glass Menagerie with Katherine Hepburn. That is a great version of it. I love it. Uh, I own that one. Um, and he also directed a number of other films. Um, he also was a prominent editor, which I didn't know. Uh, he had a lengthy list of credits, but the most prominent ones were Dr. Strangelove, Lolita, and The Spy Who Came In From the Cold. So, uh, you know, he had his hand in some pretty big things. And then it was written by James Goldman. Uh, it's his, The Lion Winter is his play, and then he wrote the screenplay for this. And so he worked extensively in theater and film. Um, there weren't a whole lot that like popped out at me. There are a few titles that I like, kind of recognized. Um, but he, he did do a good bit in theater and film. And then he is the younger brother of William Goldman who is very famous in film circles, who wrote the book and film Princess Bride. He did magic, butch casting the Sundance kid. Yeah. Did tons and tons of stuff. Um, His version of Robin and Marion uh, that was made about 10 years after yes. this. Uh,
1: if you like this movie is dope. It's oh. really good. It's got um, Sean, Sean Connery, Connery and Catherine Hepburn. It's got Nicole Williamson. It's incredible. It's got some of these same characters. Cause like, a similar time period. Yeah. Um, and so,
0: yeah, it's really interesting. I watched it years ago and didn't like it, but I might, maybe I would like it more if I saw it now. Um, yeah, it's
1: like, if you're here for the wordplay part, it's <laughs> it's also very good. I mean, it feels like that same writer, you know?
0: Yeah. Uh, cast-wise, this is, uh, features Peter O'Toole as Henry II of England. Um, Catherine Hepburn is Eleanor of Aquitaine, his wife. Anthony Hopkins in his, like, first full-length film role uh he is richard the lionheart Mm. uh john castle plays jeffrey uh so richard the lionheart is their son one of their sons john castle is jeffrey who is uh, another of their sons nigel terry is john uh who is the youngest of their sons um king richard so those of you who've watched the you know um any of the robin hood movies but especially the um Kevin Costner one Uh, King Richard that's who Richard the Lionheart is uh, who shows up at the end but then Prince John or King John based on the version of Robin Hood you're watching that's this character so the villain of Robin Hood Prince or King John sometimes they simplify it to just get rid of King Richard I think the Disney one just makes him King John Uh, but he should be Prince John uh so the no oh,
3: he's prince john are you talking about the one that's animals the disney one okay is he prince does i'm pretty sure he's Prince. okay john. does yeah well
0: because in the other ones like richard is away that's why he's yes, in charge
3: that's correct and same in yeah the...
0: yeah so, but the Fox one. yeah, I have a I, yeah, I know in something he maybe maybe I'm thinking of uh Robin Hood Men in Tights, maybe he's King John in that, I don't know, uh, maybe. Uh, anyway, and then Timothy Dalton is uh the Philip II, the King of France, in a very early yeah, role for him,
2: Ooh. his first role, yeah.
0: Um, yeah, so uh, we've got a lot of Ooh, prominent Timmy. uh British actors in this uh and then as i said this was this is something of a famous film like i said but it's not one that gets like talked about a bunch these days um but it did win a number of uh, awards best actress best screenplay and best score uh the score is by john barry who's most famous for his work in the james bond series um it was nominated for best picture director actor for peter o'toole and costume design and then Katharine Hepburn did indeed win, uh, which is, I'll just throw this out here at the top. This is one of four wins that Katherine Hepburn yes. had for her record. Uh, she still has that. No other actor has ever gotten four acting awards. Uh, she had it for Morning Glory, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, um, this film, and then On Golden Pond. And what's really interesting is like only one of those is from early in her career. All the others are when she was an old lady. So it's like, like
3: nice.
0: all you know, like because uh, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner and this were it was like back to back years. She Tom Hanks it, and then on <laughs> Golden Pond was uh, like early eighties. Uh, but yeah, she's only one with four, and then she, it's she also has the distinction of in winning this award, she actually tied it with Barbara Streisand for Funny Girl. So it's one of the few times there was a tie at the Academy Awards for anything. Wow. They have the exact same amount of votes. So they both got uh, best actress for their roles. Okay. nice. So that's some background stuff. Um, basically uh, the idea of this movie, if you've never heard of it or seen it is this is succession 1183 or game of Thrones <laughs> without the dragons. Um, this is all <laughs> politics and discussions and arguments and, it's people going at each other. Um, King Henry is getting older. Uh, he has three sons. And uh, he's trying to figure out who's going to succeed him. And his wife, who he like keeps locked away in a tower, uh, has her own thoughts on the matter and her own like powers and stuff. And so there's a lot of back and forth between them. And then obviously the sons get into it. Uh, so it's basically five characters plus... Um, Timothy Dalton, so at points, so six who are just kind of going at each other, vying for power at all points. Seven, Alice, but she's not really vying for power.
3: I guess. I mean, she's vying for something. Yeah, she's a she's a player in a different way. Yeah,
0: and or I I mean she, they don't theory. give her dialogue like the others, so I wasn't like cutting mm-hmm. her out. I just meant the like,
3: you know, sure. the political
0: okay, infighting aspect of it. We can talk about it. All right. Anyway, so... She's not uh, hiding behind a (laughs) tapestry. Yeah. So, okay. So that's a basic idea of The Lion in Winter. This is all about uh, sets, costumes, and prominently dialogue and British people screaming at each other. What do you make of it?
3: Yes. I want to hear Eric's thoughts first, because Eric is the only one who hadn't experienced this first.
2: Oh, I mean, well... I loved it yes. <laughs> for all those reasons yes. discussed. Um, I was very surprised at the the tone being even like slightly playful for that mm. being a movie from like the late 60s and being a movie that's like kind of like a prestige picture in a way that I would have assumed. Um, but I mean, yeah, just a stacked cast and just amazing dialogue throughout. It was just really good. <laughs> nice, great. And 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 you know that's not to take away. It wasn't just like the dialogue acting. I thought the direction was you know added to it. Like there was a lot of good editing choices, and it was very fluid. And for something that was based on a play, they moved around a lot. It wasn't just like that's too true. many scenes of like single locations.
1: Um, so it was it was also very like active film. That's true. The blocking is really good. It, it reminded is. me of like how Kurosawa will like kind of slowly move around a room mm-hmm. uh, and like block it in different ways as the scene goes on.
3: Yeah, it is nice that they're not just standing there talking because there's so, there's so much talking. Uh, so it would be easy to just have the characters sit there and yell at each other. But yeah, they're always moving, always shifting, always changing, which is great because the conversation is always shifting and moving and changing. Like yeah, literally minute by minute. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> minute by minute. Yeah. Minute by minute. Their uh, characters hate each other or love each other. And it's like, or real, lying about one of those things. things. <laughs> yeah. 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 Just constant. it does change
1: quick. There's it's that great. moment where um, Henry and Eleanor just kiss out of nowhere. And you're like, well, yeah. I didn't,
3: didn't yep. feel that
1: energy in the room, but I guess <laughs> like, sure. <laughs> well,
3: complicated because that energy is kind of always in the room yeah but it's a flirty but they movie. <laughs> it's, it's very flirty, flirty. it's confusing it's just confusing but in a way that is extremely well done it's not confusing in a way that is um not watchable it's confusing in a way that pulls you in like you're right really you're trying, trying to, to keep up what you're trying to about. like be engaged yes. and like
2: kind of yeah. like because you know that, like, it's hard to even trust like what a lot of the characters are saying, what their motivations are, because they could just kind of go either way. And so you're, yeah, you're kind of, like, playing along at the same time.
1: You're just like,
3: yeah. I don't know how and this they will is going to shake out. <laughs> completely. And they will go all the way to try and convince the other person that they're talking, that they're telling the full truth. At one point, uh, Eleanor, like, slices her wrist <laughs> yeah. open to be like, I'm telling the truth, I'll write it in my blood. And it's like, turns out later she kind of she wasn't really but she she did that everyone's very dramatic it's great
1: (laughs) um it's really ambiguous too like I was really noticing that when they introduce Eleanor it's like Maleficent like they keep like panning to her across these really long rooms (laughs) and like then she has that throne boat that she's on (laughs) (laughs) it's just like so wild who
3: doesn't want a throne boat it's so extra and it's like
1: it introduces her like the villain of the picture um but like over time, like, you're like, man, this Henry guy sure sucks, right? <laughs> like, it really yeah. goes every direction.
3: Yeah. There's nobody's good in this movie. There's no, I, you could argue that Alice is. Alice is like, I just want to love you. Um, she's the only one who probably isn't, as Linton was saying, uh, has ulterior motives. She's not doing any subterfuge. Yeah. She's not undercutting anyone or anything the whole movie she's like hey here's what I want yeah she's, that's she's it. basically
2: begging whoever she's talking to that, that she just doesn't get killed as a result of all this
0: plotting she's just like yeah. well and she uh, she has that moment where she cries with uh, Eleanor um, and uh, and that's genuine she's not trying to get anything out of it she's not she doesn't there's no scene later that reveals like oh, I tricked her good Henry <laughs> 14
2: can play this
3: game (laughs) (laughs) she is definitely the foil to eleanor in essentially every way she's young still has her looks uh is honest devoted uh doesn't want anything doesn't want power doesn't want money uh just wants to be loved she just wants to be loved and I, I I don't know I don't like her that much <laughs>
1: I think the only good character all are right. the 50 to 60 dogs that are in this movie for some
2: reason <laughs> all the servants <laughs> kicks awake at the end when he's like rushing everybody
3: around <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. All absolutely. right, Colin. Uh, did you see the one dog just like eat some chickens though? Sorry about the dogs. Did you get, do you notice the dog? Yeah. That chickens?
1: one dog was really going after yeah. the
0: chicken. <laughs>
3: just going to town. For a There's real no chicken guarantee that chicken,
2: wasn't a real it. chicken getting killed on set. I
3: know. Oh yeah. Oh, I think the was, 60s vibe. I think they're like, yeah, let's just absolutely. roll with it. It's great.
0: Uh, Colin, any, uh, any other opening thoughts for you? Um, I, I actually liked
1: the way that they introduced the characters. Like it does sort of end up that like, The politics, if you didn't understand anything about it, it kind of wouldn't matter. Like, I feel like it does a really good job of like sort of slowly drip feeding you the characters and the situations, but I do think that the introduction is kind of funny because it's trying to do so much at once, which is like kind of a yes. Game of Thrones problem too, that there's like, there's 11 people you need to know in the next minute. Um, but it's like, the way that the movie opens, it's like there's three kinds of sons, murderer, war gamer, and goblin. Like those are... And it's like, you just get like 30 seconds with each of them. And the one with Anthony Hopkins where... He has what I can only describe as a sort of cholo dad cut. Um <laughs> does And football. has kind of like a Vin Diesel energy to him, you know? Like where he's like <laughs> sort of like ambiguously ethnic and it feels like you know it's like what's this guy's deal like he's really intense um but unlike vin diesel does not have a passion for family um but there's that moment where it's like he's just gonna kill a guy on the ground that he was jousting with like a total psycho and it's like weird that's
0: strange until smithers shows up like uh excuse me sir uh (laughs) election in november election november um yeah i mean for myself i've seen this once or twice before uh i think it's i'm sure i sought it out years ago probably like college or even high school but that would have been because of anthony hopkins my love of anthony hopkins mm. he's my boy my 88 year old boy <laughs> um but no i mean like with signs of lambs and then the later films in the series and then digging into uh many films that he worked on so i'm sure that's how i came to this um but I mean, everybody in this is great. I mean, everybody uh, fulfills their role. I mean, John sucks. Uh, like, Come like, like I mean, the, the the actor who plays him does a good job with making him awful. But it's almost to a point where you're just like, I saw somebody on Letterbox referring to him as being a Monty Python character, which is <laughs> yes. like, like yeah, like yeah. he's like very cartoonish when everyone else is like yeah. amped up but amped up in, like, a theatrical or operatic way. And then, yeah, he's, like, one of the gumbies over there, like, um, facial What's wild about
1: everything. it, too, yeah, sure. sorry, is that, like, that guy plays King Arthur in Excalibur, um, <laughs> one of my, like, favorite, like, movies. Oh and he was uh, uh, right. Caravaggio in Caravaggio. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but, like, I was always impressed with Excalibur because he's so good at being, like, a little sewer goblin when he's a kid, but then he does seem kind of noble when they age him up. And it's like, Oh yeah. Like he's like, believably regal but no hint of that in this movie he <laughs> nope. is just Not like, at all. it is wild what he is doing just trash
0: uh but yeah so the yeah it's just a, a really interesting watch uh you've got to be ready for tons of dialogue and to try to follow it all i mean it's like a lot of it really <laughs> a really enjoyable dialogue but like that that's what you're locked in for so you you've got to be ready and there for it um and the thing that's striking me most like on this rewatch is and i'm not saying this it's not to the film's detriment i don't think it like fails in this point it may even be you know like doing this intentionally I, i'm sure it's intentional but uh, but i think you could watch it without even necessarily considering it but we're at the exact same place at the end of this film as we were at the oh, beginning. Yeah. Like no, nothing has been resolved. So good. No, yeah. no one is in a better <laughs> yes. position. No one has advanced in any yep. way. No deals have been made. Um, yep. so, uh, you have to so go you're... read a history textbook to know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's a yeah. lot of like, uh, you know, tail, ta- uh, tail chasing for, uh, the bulk of this film. Uh, but, uh, very enjoyably. So, what right, so jumped there... out at
1: me about that is that it's, like, kind of a definitive Christmas movie. <laughs> like, when I first yes. saw this when I was, like, a teen, I didn't understand that. Like, I'd only experienced my family's Christmas, and they were, like, pretty normal and pretty cool, kind of chill. But, like, this is many friends' description of what Christmas <laughs> is, where you go off, and your family all hurts each other, and then everybody leaves, and it's all the same. But, like, the hurts have gone deeper, but nothing has actually, like, materially changed. (laughs) Like, I bet there's a lot of people watching this movie like, yep, sounds right. That's (laughs) what it's like.
3: Especially if your parents are divorced and, like, the new wife is there. And, yeah. Oh, it's so, it's amazing. And she wants the aqua the whole thing. it's just classic. Yeah, my mom always bitched about the aqua at Christmas. (laughs) Yeah. I was first introduced to this movie by actually uh, Colin and I's mutual friend, Ryan. Oh, yeah, yeah. One of his favorite uh,
1: movies, too, as I recall.
3: One of his favorite yeah. movies. And I'd never heard of it. And he's like, you gotta watch it. It's so messed up. And it is. And I love it for it. I agree. It's it's very... I have a great family. We don't have a lot of yelling and feuds, which is nice. Um, but there is a lot of history and there's a lot of, like, jabs, you know, that can happen. Uh, And this is just that turned up to 11 with the most clever dialogue that you've ever heard. It's beautiful. I love it.
1: I think it does a good job too, of making things kind of unclear. Like there's a point where Philip, you know, mentions that like Henry's anger is sort of artificial and he uses it as a tool. Mm. And it's like, Uh that's true. Like that's a pretty good observation. But like, because of that, from that point on, you really never know. It's like, is yes. this person feeling this? Are they just trying to hurt the other person? Is it a little of both? Like, I think that the sons are so shitty in this because it wants to make the decision feel hard you know where it's like if like one of them was just a really good dude it's just like real sweet it would be like what is he doing like but like when you're looking at it and you're like this is hard actually <laughs> yeah like, I actually don't know which so the future of, of the
2: country relies on this decision eh?
3: okay but why not jeffrey honestly somebody explain to me why jeffrey's not jeffrey. little finger
0: i wouldn't give the country yeah, to jeffrey little, yeah yeah I I think I think Rich, Richard to the Richard Richard ma- Richard who does get the crown, and Richard is the eldest, yeah. and Richard makes sense like for the time period in terms of what you really want, like what a king really like what Henry yeah. really wants is yeah. you don't want the kingdom to be destroyed, and you know Richard will defend it to his last breath. So really, all you got to do yeah. at that point is just figure out the monetary dealing of it. I know they don't like each yeah. other, but. Uh, like and i I, he makes more sense than the other two i would say
1: yeah i think it's really revealing henry's vanity in this movie like that like obviously richard is the best choice but like he just the idea of richard being his own person or making his own choices he just can't abide it like he really for the especially the first half of the movie he really likes john who is just terrible like (laughs) obviously the worst choice but like it appeals to his ego that he could like mold a weak person into a strong Mm -hmm. one um even though obviously it's not possible
2: yeah i always thought that maybe you know i think because henry's i think biggest goal is like posterity like he wants to keep doing what he's built and to continue after he's gone and i don't know if it's like where like what you're saying is like he if he's molding John because he sees someone who he can completely mold in the way he wants or is it that Richard he, he worries that Richard could like overcome him or like doesn't even though he seems like more suited to like do what needs to be done to be a king but
0: yeah Alice is a factor as well because Alice has been promised to Richard And Henry is scheming to instead marry her off to John. And he's like, oh, well, you can still be my mistress. And basically, like, I, like, John's not going to stop me and we'll work around it. And he's not even going to know. But I think he knows he can't do that with Richard. That, like, that Richard would, one, figure it out. And, two, might just, you know, fucking kill him or ban him from the castle or any number of things. Or just be out, you know, like they go off richard's off fighting so he takes her with him um
3: well and henry can't he just can't let eleanor win yeah true can't let yes. eleanor win. it's like eleanor wants richard and he's like well for that reason and that reason alone it mustn't right. be richard <laughs> well,
0: another key factor
1: <laughs> and i find it interesting too that like the very thing that he is doing is what is so horrific to him when eleanor is talking about it that that she yes. might have slept with his father. Like so much so that he like yep. kinda of pukes in the hallway. Like it's <laughs> such a visceral reaction to it, but it's like, dude, you are doing one of those. Like what do you what are you <laughs> yes. talking about?
3: Yes. Scrolling through my notes.
1: Um, I would like to mention that I that I wrote down that um that like I just talked like talked about Dalton for a second. First of all, I feel like Bond guys are always better outside of Bond movies as, like, character <laughs> actors. Um, but, like, I love how, like, lizard-like he is in this. Like, it's crazy. <laughs> the vibes that he's giving off. And it's, like, yes. he's giving off really twinky, like, uh, kind of, like, sex vibes for, like, a while. Uh-huh. And then yeah. that, like it's, like, it's like Chekhov's gun, you know, where it's, like, wow, there's a lot yes. of weird sort of vibes in this room I wonder what'll happen with it and it's like (laughs) stuff's gonna happen Uh, but yeah I just love his performance like he's just so yeah like he's like a force of nature like it's like there's that part where they're like oh like he'll just ally with anybody to fuck you over and it's like oh yeah he definitely would he would do whatever
3: oh that's just so many everyone is playing on like six different levels uh And most of those levels are like, okay, but I just want to screw over this person. Like, almost no one really wants to win. Mm -hmm. Almost all they want is just to ruin everyone else's day. And that includes Philip. That was his name, right? That's Dalton was Philip. Yeah. Because Philip reveals he has all this history. Like, he hates Henry because of how Henry treated his dad. And it's like, all these things, no one's... Everyone's so good at manipulation, but also everyone's terrible at it because nobody wins. They're all just awful. I, I agree with at that that they game. don't want to win.
1: There was that part where yeah. Henry's talking to Philip and he's like, I've won. I've got the advantage. But he doesn't leave the room and he keeps yep, exactly. talking. <laughs> yeah. And his life just gets worse and worse the longer <laughs> he's there. And it's like <laughs> he, he doesn't want to win. Going. He wants to like play a game in front of somebody, you know, he wants yes. to like be involved in the thing. Yes, It's funny because it's like at the beginning of the movie, Henry says that he, he loves peace and he's like gotten used to peace and he doesn't want to go to war anymore. But it's like he has just begun to prefer a different kind of war where you just like Absolutely. snipe at your family all day.
3: Yes. Well, the the movie starts out with a scene of him sword fighting. And it's just, that's the whole movie. It's just sword fight after sword fight, except with words. It's just non stop fighting the whole movie. Uh, which I really thoroughly enjoy. Um but there's also Eleanor did the same thing that you were mentioning, where she has this moment where she's like, Ah, you're screwed. And let me tell you how you're screwed. Uh, I'm so smart. And then and the person's like, oh no, like, <laughs> and then just flips. she's <laughs> like, okay, but you just played all your cards and so now I'm gonna like defeat you, because it was more important to her in that moment yes. to be like point out how stupid he yeah. was. Monologuing, this whole movie is just the villains monologuing nonstop. That's what this is. Everyone's a villain. They're all monologuing. The end. Was
1: anybody getting Lucille Bluth vibes
0: from Eleanor? <laughs> oh, so well, true. I I, I, I can see smart. that I got very uh, Lady Olenna from Game of Thrones oh, vibes. Yeah, sure. Oh
3: God, uh, yes.
0: Which I wouldn't even be surprised if. Like her performance here served as some inspiration. I mean, I know Martin wrote the character in the books, but like possibly in the depiction in the show, or could yeah. it could have even influenced Martin because he dug into history, I know, for all of his stuff. Yeah, that's
1: true.
0: Yeah, there's just that moment She's... where Eleanor's like,
1: I don't much care for our children. <laughs> yes. I have right. much said it. Care for Oh them. my gosh. Absolutely.
0: She says it twice. She says it early in the movie and then later she's confiding in someone like, oh, there were points where I didn't know if I if we liked any of you or something, if we loved any of you. I have yeah, so okay, so so, so if she's Eleanor, then Jeffrey is clearly Job. Right <laughs>
3: clearly. Um, yes. And yeah, then and
0: uh Buster is John, John, is, is, John is Buster. John, yeah, yeah. For sure. yeah. And so Richard's actually all fits Michael, really yeah. well. Yeah. 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 Huh. Uh and and, huh. and Henry is definitely a philanderer. Um, <laughs> yes. and a buffoon and loud and bellowing. And so yeah. Alice, is uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Alice is kitty. Uh huh. Correct. kitty. Same to my barmajon. So who's uh who's <laughs> Philip? Cause that doesn't that one doesn't quite. Oh, what's
1: well, uh, the other the other developer? Um, Sitwell is that like rival real estate developer? Technically, Sitwell, yeah. Okay, Lindsay's technically his daughter, right? Yes. And so it's like yes. there's even a familial connection going on. Yes.
0: Well, I don't think she's his daughter. They tried to get her. She was adopted Mm -hmm. by the Blues. So they tried to get, uh, Sitwell's tried to get her, and the Blues took her out of spite, I think, is what gets revealed.
3: Which, again, fits. Mm -hmm. Yes.
0: All right, so Game of Thrones, Succession, uh, Arrested Development, all of these <laughs> yeah. cultural touchstones. I did read that I guess this film served uh, as inspiration for uh, Empire, the TV show Empire, yeah, oh. which is about like a it's a hip hop empire, and so um, the creator of that said he was watching something with like you know Puff Daddy uh, and. Got the idea for this, for that show and thinking like, oh, wouldn't it be interesting if you had something like set in the modern day, like hip hop thing, but it was like the Lion in Winter or um, King Lear, like, you know, where it's like, oh, there's several children and how they, you know, what's, who's going to get it? And then Succession is obviously doing the same thing or just finished. All right. Uh, Specific scenes or more to the point dialogue we'd like to share. Okay. Uh... Can we... (laughs) Okay. I would like to discuss the part
1: where... It's just like it almost took me out of the film. It was so weird. Where um, Eleanor is doing her jewelry and she's looking at this necklace and she's like, "Mm, I'd hang you from my nipples, but you'd shock the children. And it's like... (laughs) What's going on? Like, is she like ad-living? Like, like what's happening here? It doesn't have anything to do with anything. It's just like weird and funny and campy, just out of nowhere. Love that.
3: Agreed. That part was very strange. It's very like. I don't know why this isn't here, but you know what? yeah I enjoyed this. Roll with it. This is great. It's roll with it. Yeah, absolutely. It's one of those, I wonder if that was in the original play type of thing. Uh oh. I mean, we've already touched on it, so I feel like we should more fully go into the scene with Philip and Henry and Richard and John and Jeffrey, which is just a beautiful oh, the, the tapestry mess the scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, the tapestry scene, which is almost a farce. Oh, yeah. For sure. Like, it yeah.
1: It's so close to Mrs. It Doubtfire. Is... Absolutely.
3: <laughs> yes, yeah. absolutely. It's Fraser. It really is. It's basically is. Fraser, and
1: they're in
0: the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's so good. Uh, we start Okay, so with... Niles is Jeffrey, yes. <laughs> right? <laughs> Here we go.
1: <laughs>
3: Who's the dog?
1: John. John is John's Eddie. Is John's John. a dog because it's his dad's favorite. Yeah, yeah but, he
0: likes okay. it right, right. well I was going to say that Eddie <laughs> sure. is far more charismatic than John is. Though. I <laughs> agreed.
3: That's what I That's was going to say, but Colin has a point. Um, so we start off with Jeffrey coming into the room, meeting up with Philip after kind of like some a bunch of backstabby stuff happens, uh, and all the sons are mad at the dad. Um, and so Jeffrey comes into Philip, and he's like, "Hey." So are we we're going to overthrow this guy or what? And Philip's like, yeah, totally. But what do you think about John? <laughs> and Jeffrey's like, oh, screw that guy. I'm totally going to screw him over. And then John comes jumping out of the tapestry, tries to kill him, hurts himself because he's an idiot. And then while they're all talking and uh, Jeffrey's like, no, 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 I was going to screw him over. to screw. You. Don't worry, I got this. Uh, then there's a knock on the door and Richard comes in. And they're like, get behind, get behind the curtain. So now there's two brothers behind the curtain. Older brother comes in. And Philip's like, okay, now I'm going to pull stuff out of you to make your brothers mad. But then also they start basically almost getting hot and heavy. Like they yeah. – Philip leads him over yeah. to the bed there's and is like, some, hey, remember our shared there, past? Yeah. Yep. He's like, let's have a repeat. And then shows the brothers behind the tapestry just going – what what's happening and then there's a knock on the door and so he hides him behind the bed tapestry because you know they all had those because they're rich and then henry comes in us (laughs) poors can't afford
0: bed tapestries
3: do you have a bed tapestry no but i i could get
0: one if i wanted
3: (laughs) oh sure you could Uh uh-huh linton Absolutely. They even call it that, out. They're like, wanna. this
1: is what tapestries are for. Like they like kind of lampshade <laughs> yes. it, like, this is very <laughs> silly what we're doing.
3: It's great. And then Henry and Philip have a whole thing. Uh, where Philip, you know, Henry's like, haha, I figured you out. And Philip's like, no, you didn't. And now I'm going to get to you by talking about how your son is gay. And that makes you upset. And weirdly, I mean, I think it's in his. Again, strong desire to just screw over the person in front of them rather than actually win anything he starts saying oh when I was uh, doing gay stuff with your son I did not care about him at all and it was all just to get to you (laughs) which then Richard pops out of the tapestry and is like that's a lie how dare you you loved me again it's all very dramatic but Philip doubles down he's like no seriously I never loved you I hate you
0: which is probably the worst person in all of this to say something like that to, right. because right. Richard just will murder you yeah. on the spot. It's pretty volatile. Yeah.
3: <laughs> it was like, I don't understand your play here, except that you're just so angry at Henry that you just want to do anything you can to hurt him. And then some for some reason, I can't remember why Jeffrey pops out, I think, because they're like, Jeffrey was going to betray you. And Henry's like, well, yeah, duh. And Jeffrey's like, yeah, but John was also going to betray you. And Henry's like, never. There's no way. And then they pull the curtain, and there's there's John. And he's everyone's like, "Daddy, I'm
0: conspiring."
3: <laughs> <It's exactly laughs> and then Eleanor's head
0: is. pops out of the latrine.
3: <laughs> it's just so. It is just on the verge of wacky, but because of how well acted it is it never quite gets there it is so close it's so close in a lesser in the hands of a lesser writer or a lesser director it would have just accidentally gone there and you'd be laughing at the scene but instead you're just kind of horrified the whole time that everyone is so terrible
1: yeah there's a lot of lines like that that like are so close to being silly but like something about how serious everybody is taking like everybody has so much gravitas in this you know like there's that part where Eleanor is talking to I think her son or her or Alice who like she raised and she's like, oh, Henry came to the court, we shattered the commandments on the spot. And it's like yep. what a wild thing to say to somebody. <laughs> like, and you could just you could just imagine that the other person is like, Uh, I would like to go and not hear yes. any more details about yes. this. But like for some reason, like the the energy of the film sort of just prices you into being like, Yep. That's what's happening. And so like when yep. when Catherine Hepburn is like, quiet dear, mother's fighting. You know, it doesn't feel campy. It just so feels good.
0: like yes. <laughs> like we
3: can't, can't yeah, exactly. Well there's a
0: great there's so yeah, that's that's part of the line one of the lines that I wrote down. So uh she's talking to Richard and they're going back and forth, and then he acts like he's gonna just like he's done with her, he's gonna leave. <laughs> Uh, departure is a simple act you put your left foot down and then the right and then someone's like john comes in calling for her your mother he's like hush now mother's fighting
3: <laughs> so good and she's incredible yeah like i understand oh. why she won oh, for this it's
2: absolutely
0: deserved it's criminal she's that o'toole didn't win this. though he was nominated yeah. many times yeah. and yeah it was a big deal like how he never got one and then what he was up for it in a, like one of his last roles i know it was a big like yeah there was like a question of like oh is he gonna win it because he's up so many times but i think yeah. he didn't win mm-hmm. um, no i think he's like the one of the most nominated but i don't think he's ever yeah it was like one of the years unless it, he won you know, for wars like, of arabia but... yeah he was like in his 70s or something and he was a kind of like uh favorite uh you know the sentimental favorite but i think it went to somebody else yeah, it
1: uh, that's the year. That's, like, the first year where... It, so it went to Cliff Robertson for Charlie. Mm. Um, but it's the first year that um, playing somebody with developmental disabilities was, like, an understood ah. Oscar play. Where mm. It was, like... Yes. Like, it's just so incredible to see a performance like that. But it's, like, you know, like, that kind of became a thing after that. Like, people would oh, do wow. roles like that. Um, I have not seen the film. I know it's based on Flowers for Algernon, which is a good story, yeah. obviously. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. The movie's
0: movie's pretty good, but it's not as yeah. good as the book. Ah, uh, he was in a movie called Venus, Peter O'Toole, um, and he was up for it, but he lost to Forest Whitaker for Last King of Scotland. That was two thousand six. Uh, okay. Mm.
3: Sad. Um. Side note: This is a total, complete side note. My fr- I didn't grow up watching older movies, as we've discussed on the podcast before. So was it a fear of puppets or
0: sorry, sorry, Jack, I'm just real quick uh, because Eric alluded to this. So. um, uh, So Peter O'Toole, he joked with Robert Osborne during an interview at Turner Classic Movies Film Festival that he's, quote, the biggest loser of all time (laughs) due to his lack of an Academy Award after many nominations. Uh, so it's Lawrence of Arabia, Beckett, The Line in Winter, Goodbye Mr. Chips, The Ruling Class, The Stuntman, My Favorite Year, and Venus. He was yeah. nominated, so eight times, Ooh. and he didn't ever win.
1: Well, and, and Lawrence of Arabia, too, I think it's one of those times where it was early in somebody's career, so they're like, oh, yeah, he's going to win.
0: Lots. Well, you know what he yeah. lost, to, lost to, though? I mean, you don't yeah, have it in front of you. Peck for Yeah, it's Gregory Peck for To Kill a Mockingbird, <laughs> so <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah. yeah. He was also up
1: against Burt Lancaster in Birdman of Alcatraz. It's actually one of the most stacked Academy Award years. I did a big Oscar dive recently, like kind of watching some old movies and looking at some old like close calls and stuff like that. And yeah, that was 62 is one of those ones where it's like,
0: whoa. All right. Sorry, Jack, you were saying.
3: I was just saying I didn't really uh, ever experience Peter O'Toole like I'd never watch movies with Peter O'Toole growing up. And so my first like real understanding of Peter O'Toole is actually from Bill Hader in an SNL <laughs> sketch yeah. where he played Peter O'Toole. Uh and I've watched that sketch so many times that I basically have it memorized. But that's like I can't pick him out of a lineup. It just had it came on the screen Peter O'Toole. I was like, "Oh, okay, this is Peter O'Toole. That's right. That's right. He exists outside of Bill Hader." What Hader's is uh what's Hader do in the skit? Uh it's basically loud brash like haha tis I Peter O'Toole (laughs) he's talking about like how he's a drunk basically a lot of his one time Albert Finney and I got so drunk we I see now I can't remember it we stole a train and it's just like basically saying being drunk is great
1: (laughs) I was gonna ask you to do an impression of Hater do an impression of O'Toole but then you just did it so (laughs) I just did it yeah
3: (laughs) Uh, Look up that sketch. It's extremely funny because Bill Hader is a magical genius. I love him. Anyway, Peter R'Toole is truly excellent in this. Uh, I have heard his name thrown around many times and I haven't seen a lot of these famous movies that I'm aware of, but just haven't seen them. Uh, And then he's just acting the shit out of this movie. Every scene that he's in, you can just tell that he is used to being the center of the movie. And then Catherine Hepburn comes in and she's like, yeah, but also me too. And somehow they don't fight each other. They work together. Mm -hmm. Like these two insanely film giants in the room together, it works perfectly. I don't know how they did that without
0: yeah well i won't go into it fully if you go on imdb there's some trivia in there but basically uh he had a reputation for being a drunk and for being like late to set and stuff and basically and being difficult to work with i don't think he was like terrible but just like kind of a pain and so hepburn sort of put it to him of like you won't be doing that with me um so (laughs) she but she also i think they kind of like play they knew each other from what i read they had never acted together but they knew each other somewhat and then so she kind of put that to him but she also was sort of like you know we'll get along i think she said something like you're irish you make me laugh uh you know something else like we'll we'll be fine um and then what was this other thing uh and then apparently when the movie wrapped Uh, she said, supposedly said, when I started off in this business, my agent said to me, never act with children and animals, but you, Peter, are both.
3: (laughs) (laughs) That's excellent. That's very good. But I
0: think they did, like, actually get along uh, on set for the most part. Uh, Eric, you got any good lines to throw out? Anything you really liked? Uh, one of my favorites
2: was, uh... Just Henry and Eleanor sniping at each other. He says, I marvel at you after all these years. Still like a democratic drawbridge going down for everybody. At my age, there's not much traffic anymore. Like, (laughs) just, you know, and it's just, it's just like without a, without blinking, she does it. It's just like great moments like that between the two of them,
1: like nonstop. I really like when, um, when John is like, he's got a knife. And Catherine's like, we all got, oh, knives. We got knives. Like, <laughs> it's
2: like a Simpsons line. Like. Yeah, yeah. I think I it's
1: it's in Aladdin. Like, it's like Aladdin um, is the one. Yeah, I yeah. Of. It's like they we literally crib this exact swords. thing. But yeah, it's it's just so good just to be like you idiot. Like, actually, like John <laughs> is so much of what's good about the funny parts of the movie. Like, it really does work. There's a time where somebody calls him a walking pustule. And you're looking at him <laughs> and you're like, yeah,
0: like, uh, I right, did, yeah. yeah, my absolute favorite line. Uh, and this is one I remember from when I originally watched it and loved it. And again, I'm approaching this movie originally as a fan of Anthony Hopkins. Um, he doesn't get tons of quips just based on how his character is, but uh, he gets a few. And uh, he does have this one great one where, I don't know, John's like. Complaining because I don't know other people are getting attentions like oh nobody ever cares about John I'm slipping into a Monty Python voice here now um, but he says like uh, I don't know he's just like complaining about stuff and he says my God if I went up in flames there's not a living soul that would pee on me to put the fire out and Anthony Hopkins says let's strike a flint and see
3: <laughs> so good
0: he is really good it it is like uh like
1: a straight man role almost you know yeah even though it's not comedic per se it's like he is sort of this immobile sort of watching being affected by things is like everybody's sort of dancing around him but yeah i think it it's like the way he plays it really makes it work like uh and then when he kind of goes wordplay it feels big like that scene where he's talking to dalton and dalton's like you know i've been in hell for the last two years and and Anthony Hoffman's like, funny, I didn't see you there. And it was like, whoa. <laughs> like this just became the most high stakes game of gay chicken that I've ever seen <laughs> in my life. But it was like he just like he was in, you know, like he was like, I'm I'm playing this game too. Uh, and it felt big. It was like, damn, what's happening in this scene? It's like going out of control. Uh yeah, great performance.
0: Alright, other lines people
1: have
3: just play the whole movie. Uh,
1: I really like when Eleanor is like, I don't believe you'd do that. He's like, wait 10 minutes. Yeah. Uh, it's just such a good, like, I it's just it's such Alice. a good burn. I um, wasn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're right. I because
3: think you're right. he's like um, basically going to give her a marriage to somebody else.
1: Oh, yeah. They're getting married. In a and hurry. she's like, right.
3: you wouldn't do this to me. You wouldn't do this to me. And she's freaking out. And that's, yeah, that's the like, wait 10 minutes. It's awesome. Most of my favorite lines are Eleanor, of course. She's incredible. Uh, Mm -hmm. At one point, it's that same scene where she said, come back later, mother's fighting. Uh, Later in that conversation, she says, mother's tired. Come stick pins tomorrow. I'll be more responsive. (laughs) She's so good.
1: Um, I like the most, maybe the most famous line from this movie, which is uh, when Jeffrey asks Richard, he's like, as if it matters how a man falls down. And Richard says, when the fall is all there is, it matters. So good. Um, Excellently written.
3: Another Eleanor line. She says, I'm like the earth, old man. There isn't any way around me.
0: Yeah. And that one, like, that's the basis of that line is that people of the time couldn't circumnavigate the earth right yeah. that's what they're okay like I was, yeah. I, i'm i watching and i'm like okay that's that's what she means right
3: <laughs> uh she also uh, says i could peel you like a pear and god himself would call yes. it justice yes. oh yeah that's good
0: really good uh a couple i really like is so uh, Henry had a mist, a long-time mistress, one of many, but one particular one that died some years ago. Um, and Eleanor hated her for obvious reasons. And he alludes to her death, uh, like how many years it's been. And Eleanor rattles off, like he says, you know, it's been twelve years or whatever. And she says, and two months and six days or whatever. Um, and he says, you're counting the days. She's like. No, I made the numbers up. Um, but just just her doing that is even worse than her like right. like keeping track of it. Um, and then I particularly love when he thinks he's won and beaten her. There's a big scene between the two of them where they go back and forth. And basically they're just scheming against each other openly. It's like a chess match of like, well, if you do this, I'm going to do this. And I'll do this. I'll counter this way. It's a scene that I think Jack alluded to about like where she kind of lays all her cards out and kind of ends up ruining what she she could have had a victory yeah. um, just like he could have had a victory in another scene. Um Anyway, so he decides that he is going to leave. Uh, He's going to try to get the marriage annulled, his marriage to her annulled, which is preposterous. They've had like five children. Yeah, his argument Um, was
3: going to be that they'd never consummated the marriage.
0: Yeah. Um, But, you know, he he, like he the the Pope would owe him a favor for some reason he alludes to or something. So anyway, he's going to try to go get that to happen. She's threatening him. If he does that, he'll lose the kingdom and all this kind of stuff. Anyway, so he ultimately decides he's going to do it. And he says, well, wish me luck. I'm off. And she says, to Rome, that's where they keep the Pope. So good. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel
1: like also that there's a scene where Eleanor is crying that are just some of the best uh, on-screen tears I've ever yes. seen. Like, she is clear faced and there is no cut. Yeah. And then she is red eyed. And sobbing
0: and so angry yes. and her chin's quivering. It's incredible. She's amazing. Jack, have you seen uh, her other Oscar victories?
3: Uh, I know that I, I don't know if I've seen Morning
0: Glory was the first, which I've never seen no. that. Uh, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner.
3: I feel uh, like I have then, to have seen that at one point. On
0: Golden Pond. No,
3: I've definitely not seen that.
0: And she's good. Like, she's good in Guess Who's Coming Dinner and on Golden Pond, and I understand them as wins, but I out of the three I've seen, I think this is the best performance. It's,
3: she's a powerhouse. It's just stunning the way that she so quickly vacillates between pain and laughter and she can deliver These lines that seem totally cavalier, but you can tell somehow without her face betraying it that she her, the character is trying to hurt or like it's I don't know how she does it other than she's incredible. You can just tell all the layers at which she's delivering a line almost every time.
1: Well, the focus of the film is often on like I actually kind of feel like that the son's cards are often on the table. Mm In the, in the in what you kind of see even if you're seeing behind the scenes you're seeing this conversation that other people don't you see that you see henry's stuff more on the table in some other scenes too but her stuff is never really clear like figuring out what she actually wants and feels and what she's willing to do is sort of the thrust of the yes. film like it's like a mystery about whether she cares or not it's really interesting
3: doesn't he refer to that doesn't doesn't he say you're wearing your enigmatic face again?
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And like, just trying to figure her out. Ah, oh, it's so good.
0: One thing I saw. Speaking of Hepburn, I wonder if she kind of uh, gamed things a little bit in her favor. Uh, this is just me you know, spitballing and wondering, but I read that I guess the costume designer was favoring more like drab browns and clothes, that kind of stuff, just stuff that kind of blended in. Oh. And I read, I guess. The character, the actors would wear the clothes for like as long as possible, so they would get like frayed and dirty uh, okay. and stuff in between scenes, mm-hmm. so it looked like they were just worn and not costumes. Um, but so I think they were going to dress her similarly. Um, but then she convinced them that the character would have been to like Arabia and places. And so like white would have been something. Mm. And I, and so that can make sense. That might be historically accurate, but it made me wonder if Hepburn did that so that she would stand out, um, like in she an does. actorly way, but, but here's the thing, even if she did it for a person, you know, like for that personal reason, I'm not saying she did, but you know, she did, it does make sense for that character to stand out because she's not of the court officially she's been you know removed as she's the one woman with power in this situation all the boys all the men are dressed in drab dirty clothing and she looks differently it's like and it makes the film more visually interesting than if she was just in a bunch of browns so it was i think it was a good move i don't know the you know true motivations behind it but i yeah the
1: there is a drabness to a lot of the film though like like at one point, I wrote down who will be king of this mess yes. <laughs> because it was like so much of it is just like a pile of straw, yes. a bunch of mud. Yes. There's a bunch of torches and dogs are fighting over, and them. that's what <laughs>
0: you'll be, there, lad. The strong, get, lad. I have the strongest castle in these ear swamps.
3: Exactly. Yes. Uh, I thought the same thing. Like the sets are good, but the sets aren't beautiful. Um, the sets kind of fade into the background, and it did make me think, mm-hmm. like. Wow, being the king isn't that great. Like being royalty. Okay, you get to just looks looks boring. Even the tapestries, the the famous tapestries in that scene are just kind of eh. Okay.
0: Well, here's the thing. Being outside that castle is worse. Yeah, you, you got to keep that in mind.
3: That's what they so, want but... you to think. That's what the royalty tells you to keep the peasants down. You got to rise up. You got to can't believe everything they tell you, man.
0: No, I, no, I'm saying wait I know, I'm it absolutely is worse. But why would the royalty say that? Why would the royalty say, oh, you, your lives are terrible?
3: Because they want you to come and work for them. They want you to come into the... Because you have to serve oh, them. Oh, well, I, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Okay, all right. <laughs> sure.
3: Sure. I found a couple other lines that I love, and then I'll be done. I always have too many, and I know uh, at what point... Henry and Eleanor are, of course, verbally sparring, but they're like in front of the court who's all clapping for them. So they have these big smiles on their face. And he says, give me a little peace. She says, why be so modest? How about eternal peace? So good. <laughs> they're just grinning the whole time, waving. Somebody at one point. I think it might be Eleanor, but I don't actually remember. Somebody calls somebody I think calls John. No, I think John calls Eleanor a bag of bile, which made me laugh. I thought that was a great insult. You can't hurt me, you bag of bile. Excellent. Oh, and I had one more from Henry towards the end. He's complaining about women. He said, I could have conquered Europe, all of it, but I had women in my life.
1: It do be like that. It do be (laughs) like that. Um... As I was watching this movie, I had a moment where they, um, Jeffrey's walking through the halls and he walks into John's room and what is there, but a creepy wooden puppet. And I was like, Oh, Linton, you've done it again. You found a way to get a creepy wooden
0: puppet into another Jack movie. This is incredible. Mm -hmm. Are there any creepy wooden puppets in Love Actually, Jack? Do you know? Or puppets, Period. We'll find no, out. I don't think so. Yeah, tune in yeah, next Spoiler!
3: Week. <laughs> that's next week's movie. I've seen it a hundred times. I don't think there is. Mm-hmm. Either that or I've really blocked it out.
0: Are they at a toy store at any point? I know they're at some shops. Because Mr. Bean. To know, Mr. Bean's Let me know what shop. happens. I don't think uh, so.
1: I was talking to a friend in Russia today, actually, and Love Actually is incredibly popular over oh. there. Mm. Um, or at least in the city that they live uh and it was like really like it's just like it's so british yeah i can't even i don't even know what that you would conceive of this as you know living in a different place like it's like it's for anglophiles here but it's like surely there's anglophiles other places So it must be for them
3: that is strange would not have expected that Hmm. Mm Hmm. okay
0: um all right so a little bit of uh side stuff on this one uh So apparently after they saw the film, uh, Albert R. Broccoli and Harry Saltzman of the Bond films offered Timothy Dalton the role of James Bond for uh, On Her Majesty's Secret Service. But Dalton turned them down uh, because he thought he was too young to play the role, uh, which he probably was. Uh, but it's weird that he didn't just say, like, yeah, I'll do it. I'll, I'll be fate world famous immediately. Um, but he obviously did eventually become Bond in The Living Daylights and License to Kill. Um, and then On Her Majesty's Secret Service had uh, George Lazenby in his uh, sole appearance as James Everybody's Bond. Everybody's favorite. Yeah, yes. Right. Everybody's favorite Bond um and then uh katherine hepburn was 61 at the time of filming which was the age of the character like the accurate age at the mm-hmm. time that this would take place uh peter o'toole was 36 uh but he's playing the character what? at 50 but he he Whoa. conveyed 50 he he makes yeah, it work he makes it work <laughs> wow uh yeah but he was 36 i mean maybe it's the alcohol, alcohol might have helped yeah, probably. yeah. and in the beard yeah, yeah, the yeah. beard you know um also, Catherine Hepburn portrayed her own ancestor. She was descended from what? Eleanor of Aquitaine through numerous family ties, uh, both Eleanor's marriage to Louis the Seventh, uh, King of France, and Eleanor's marriage to Henry the Second, King of England. So, uh... oh, and I also read that I guess um, very little, like uh, paintings and things exist, or paintings or tapestries exist of Eleanor. There's only like a couple um and the anthony hopkins richard alludes to like oh she was a great beauty or you know i've Mm -hmm. seen the paintings or whatever i've seen the pictures um but so they don't know exactly what she really looked like but she was supposed to have looked like some of her sons um Mm -hmm. so they basically extrapolating out from that they were like saying like that she would how they how they looked would have been like tall and thin and like the color of eyes and the color of hair and basically this thing was saying like essentially Catherine hepburn is what it was ending with that she would have looked very similar to katherine hepburn uh and then richard uh has been theorized by historians as being homosexual but that is not confirmed um it does seem likely though that he probably had relationships with uh, men and women based on different reports hmm.
1: Yeah, I was wondering about how this was received at the time. Um sixty-eight is like obviously like a wild time for films, but it's like still pretty early for stuff like that right. in movies. I was kinda of wondering like I wonder how this went over, especially in like England.
0: You know? uh, yeah, in England and he was the king, even if it was centuries before. So it wasn't like a side person, it was someone who actually was king. Uh yeah. Uh I mean, I was just going to throw out that I like that the opening of this movie goes full omen from the word go. Oh, yeah. Uh, there's just True. full on Avasad Centauri or whatever uh, that is from the omen. It's very similar. It's not Jerry Goldsmith doing it. Uh, as I said, it's John Barry. But it's very, very similar to uh, what was later used for the omen in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything else we got before we wrap up on this uh Yuletide Christmas favorite.
1: Jack, you mentioned the remake. Uh, I've never seen it. Is it good?
3: I, yes, I think it's great. Uh, Who's I, in it? It's
0: got Sean Connery, right?
3: Oh! Um
0: Sean Connery plays John.
3: <laughs> Nobody likes me! <laughs> Let me look it up, because again, it's been a while since I've seen it. I need to actually purchase both of them. Uh, <laughs> it's Patrick Stewart.
0: Mm, Okay. Patrick oh, Stewart okay, yeah.
3: plays Henry, and he's sensational. And Glenn Close is Eleanor.
0: Uh-huh. Which okay. is great. Who are the sons?
3: Sons. Uh, Philip. That's not a son. Here we go. No. Richard is Andrew Howard, who I don't know okay. off the top of my head. Yeah, I don't know. Joffrey is John Light. <laughs> John is Rafe Spall. Uh,
0: yeah. Oh, yeah.
3: I know. Like, he's, yeah, a little familiar. I'm trying to look up. What is he... Oh, Who's in Hot Fuzz is DC Andy Cartwright. He was <laughs> Andy. Um, oh, yeah, that guy. Yeah. Okay. And then uh, Philip was Jonathan Reese Myers.
1: Ooh, love that uh-huh. guy. That guy rules. Uh,
3: of course, I don't remember the sons from the movie, but I remember definitely Patrick Stewart and Glenn Close. They're excellent, they're wonderful. But I'd like to watch it now, having watched this one so recently, so fresh and see how it compares. It's bold, bold of them to remake this. I don't think it needed it. I mean, this is, <laughs> it's so good.
0: Uh, yeah, I, I compare it. I was saying like what this movie is like, you know, certain cultural touchstones and shows and stuff. But uh, another one that popped into my head while watching it is, and it's expanded because you have all the sons and everything, but it's also very, uh, who's afraid of Virginia Wolf?" Mm. If anyone's mm. uh, ever seen yeah. that. Production or the great film with uh, Elizabeth Taylor and Richard Burton, because that's just those two going at each other for about an hour and 45 minutes. There is a young couple in that, so they kind of get wrapped into it, but not the same way that the sons are involved Mm. in this.
3: I just love that this movie so accurately portrays very complex characters and complex emotions in ways that don't feel cheap. I at least can definitely relate to loving and hating somebody at the same time. And there are so many times where they are involved in a conversation and just verbally stabbing each other. And then one person tries to leave and the other person is desperate for them to stay desperate to keep like, no, stay in this room so I can keep stabbing you. And it's hard to do that in a way that is compelling instead of painful to watch, but they really pulled that off. There are a lot of movies that I've seen that have you know, intense family drama where all of the past is coming out and everything's coming to a head. Um, but a lot of times those movies are cathartic and this movie is not cathartic. That's not how I would describe this. It's instead I don't know, you feel for all of the characters except maybe John. but even John at one point, John has this line where he talks about, he's like, I'm smart. I can speak three different languages. It's like, he's saying John
0: is Fredo. (laughs) I can handle things.
3: Yeah, He is. But you, it's like, you feel bad for him too. He never should have been in the position of even being considered to be king. It's like his dad's fault that he feels this way in some ways. In other ways, he's just a total tool, but I appreciate how, you, there is no clear villain. There is no clear winner. <laughs> Except for poor Alice. Who at one point is like, there's no sport in hurting me. <laughs> She's like, I just am here. I can't do anything. I can't fight back. Um, But somehow you love them all and relate to them. You're like, yeah, I get it. I understand being in a position where you feel like your only move is to keep being stuck in this cycle this is this is toxicity toxic family the movie and it's like getting out of these cycles is really hard a lot of times when you all of these characters love each other deeply absolutely every character loves all the other characters in some way or fashion meh philip arguable but when hurt is not dealt with and it can just build up and build up. And then this is what you get these people who all love and hate each other in equal measure and are so witty and brilliant that it's just fun to watch them torture each other for hours.
1: Yep. It, uh, it sort of has like a Noah Bombach quality, right? Or it's like, how bad can it get? How much can it escalate? Um, I think that the thing it does really well is just shows like, what has happened before or not happened before. You know, there's so many things, like a stage play, you know, like there's so many things that are in the past being alluded to. And the only way that they can sell them is through their performances. um, And through sort of like reliving past hurts. And it's at that, it's really effective.
3: Absolutely.
0: So related to that, would you recommend The Lion in Winter? Eric? Uh,
2: yes absolutely would recommend Um, especially yes if you love great acting and dialogue but also if you don't often think older movies can kind of uh, have the same vibe as a modern one uh, it's very watchable so if you're even cynical about old movies I would still give this one a shot alright Jack
3: no I hated it it's stupid and old old movies are bad yes of course it's great I'll bet my dad's already seen it. Seems like he would see. He's old. This is from the 60s. (laughs) It is great, though. I've been gushing about it for too long now. So, yes, I'd recommend it. If you're into this sort of thing, kind of like Eric said, you have to... There are plenty of people who I would not sit down and be like, okay, let's watch this movie. You'll be really into it. They're like, where's the explosions? (laughs) I'm like, they're all verbal. They're, they're emotional. Yeah, emotional. Emotions. And so people would be like, this is the most boring shit I've ever heard in my whole life. But for me, it's riveting.
0: Walking out of there like uh Nelson Months with Naked Lunch. <laughs> I can think of at least two things wrong with that title.
3: <laughs> yes, exactly. Yep. Colin?
0: Yeah, I would recommend, if
1: you, like me, are a messy bitch who lives for drama. Um yes. I think that it's like if you like uh, like the HBO shows that are dramas that have like lots of escalation or you like Breaking Bad and you're like, oh, my God, how much further down can it go? It is that sort of crushed into about two hours. It's incredible. Um, But it is just people talking the whole time. So you have to be priced into that. There is no
0: action to sort of break it. up. There's a little bit of almost action at the end. Yeah. Near action.
3: Well, And there's a guard sword fight. That uh-huh. Eleanor watches oh, with yeah. total pessimism as vibe. a guy is killed.
0: It was like
1: that scene in Saving Private Ryan where that guy oh, yes. is slowly stabbed. Shh, like it sh- was yes. <laughs> the, the vibe of it was just, yeah.
0: Well, for myself, yeah, uh, I would recommend it. Uh, it is a solid film uh, for all the reasons we've talked about. Great dialogue, great performances, really well put together. Um, yeah, it's a you know, an adaptation of a stage play, but doesn't feel stagey. As we said, not tons and tons of like action in it, but it doesn't feel like we're just like watching, oh, here are people standing in a room. Like it, it move. the camera moves with them. There's close-ups. there's intense moments. And then you've also just got some of the best actors ever on film (laughs) together. I mean, just Catherine Hepburn, Peter O'Toole and Anthony Hopkins alone is enough to make this movie watchable. And Then you have Timothy Dalton doing really good work. I don't know the Jeffrey guy, but I know he's been in a number of things. I looked him up, um, and he, he's good. He's great uh, in his role. Um, and then I, you know, I guess John went on to some other stuff. <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, the the big three, uh, I would say, is uh, it's it's good for that. So yeah, if you are a fan of Catherine Hepburn but haven't dug into all of her stuff, I would say certainly check out her uh, Oscar wins for the ones I've seen. I think this is her best performance. Um, and then uh, Hopkins, you know, literally his first feature film role. He was in something that was like 40 minutes long um, prior to this, but this is his first full length uh, film. Um, and he went on to win some awards too, I think. <laughs> uh, and then Peter O'Toole did not win any awards ever, but, uh, but is a, a talented man nonetheless. So uh <laughs>
1: Sure, he won a BAFTA, probably. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. Uh, but, yeah, so uh, that's the uh, line of winter, our Christmas selection for this year. Uh, track it down. So, on that note, can I find this? Uh, lots of places you can track this down for streaming Apple TV, Amazon, Google Play, YouTube, Voodoo, Microsoft, DirecTV, and then it is on DVD and is on Blu ray. So, uh, Jack, you will have to get the Blu ray soon. Probably of this. will, actually. Uh, yes. Um, and then, uh, as I said, we will be coming back. Uh, this one will drop like kind of week of Christmas and the other one will be like close behind it. So we will have our Uncanny Cinema Christmas present, which, uh, we've done, uh, several times in the past. We did Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. We did It's a Wonderful Life. I think those are the only ones we've done so far, but this is one of the three times per year where we do a famous film um to just kind of break things up for ourselves so we do one at uh april fool's day do one at christmas and we do one in the summer so this time as i already said we will be looking at love actually um jack will be on that episode eric will be on that episode and our friend jess will be in that episode she actually had requested the movie uh all three of them absolutely love love actually. Uh I'm a big fan as well, so uh we will have but but there's definitely elements to discuss oh, sure. of uh of the construction of that movie uh warts and all discussion of love actually. But yeah, that's our uncanny cinema Christmas present coming up next and then we will uh probably take a break for a month or so before we uh dig into kind of just our regular slate for the year and doing lots more weird shit on the horizon (laughs) so uh yeah join us for love actually see you then